Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Today, if you have your Bibles ready, we'll be in the book of Genesis chapter 4, verses 11 through 26. The title of this sermon is, The Way of Cain and God's Response. Here's the second half and conclusion of this two-part study. I heard one of the states is trying to do that. I think it's Oregon. Well, let them be free. It's like, no, they were sentenced. And we have to remember that. We have capital punishment for a reason. When we don't, when we don't, and I, and I know it's hard, but if you look at New York City, do you not think that some of those people should actually be facing felony charges for the stuff they're doing? There was a guy in St. Louis that loaded a, a, a gun and shot the dude in broad daylight in the head and walked away. Do you not think that there should be some kind of penalty? That's the problem we're having in our, in our country today. That's why we see issues in New York, in Chicago, in L.A., Atlanta. My, we just had a huge mess in Atlanta. They broke the law. You face the punishment. I'm going to share something with you. I'll probably, y'all won't agree with me on this, but look, if you broke the law January 6th, you deserved your time in jail. Meaning if you, if you went on to private property and you broke the law, hello, that's the reality of it. You broke the law. It's equal justice, equal punishment. That's how it's supposed to be. And so the only one who gets to decide something different is God. God has put those things in place. God still shows his goodness in verse 15. It says, And the Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Now one of the things that we know is that God, God's going to protect Cain. We know that God's also going to put a mark on him. Now, there's a lot of theology that can take you down rabbit holes on what that mark is. And you need to be very careful diving into that. There's a lot of bad stuff out there. It tells us that he was uh, uh, marked. And when I read that, I go, God marked him. I can guarantee anybody who went up to Cain would have known, hey, I don't mess with that guy. God marked that guy. I know that. But he tells them that if anybody touch him, it'll be sevenfold. For us, we are to love our enemies. That's for the, what we get in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. So that uh, you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and the sins reign on the just and the unjust. For us, we are to love our enemies. And for us, we have to understand that we live in something called common grace as well. Common grace is not saving grace. Common grace means that the sun is up, you're warm, Everybody gets that. 
common grace is that somebody evil can have a child, can be blessed with a job, can be blessed with, with, with money, with health. They can have a successful business. Common grace means that they can battle cancer and get healthy. And even though they're not following God, that's common grace. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. But we have to understand that it tells us in Romans chapter 1, verses 26 to 32, that there are going to be people that are going to be lawless. They're going to choose that. In Romans chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For this reason God gave them up to, the, to vile passions. For even their women exchanged their natural use for what it is against nature. Likewise, also men leaving the natural use of the women. And that's just talking about homosexuality burned in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty and the error which was due. And even as they did not uh, like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind. To do those things which are not fitting. And then he gives a list here. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, a full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil mindedness. They are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Who knows the righteousness, uh, the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving death. Not only do they uh, do the same, but approve of those who practice them. And you think to yourself, you're reading that list and you go, they have common grace? Yeah, because I had it too when I wasn't walking with God. I got five kids. I was blessed with, a ch with five children. God blessed me even though I wasn't walking with God. That's common grace. Why is Cain saved? Because of God's mercy. It's because of God's mercy. If you ever don't think that God is merciful, look at this story. Every time you see it, you see mercy, mercy, mercy. Just over and over, God gives it. And that's how he is with us. Because he loves you. And how much more does he care about you because you're his? Then the Lord said to Cain, Not so, if anyone kills you, the vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any of whom found him should attack him. So it's a mark, it's a sign. When you look up the, the word in the, in the Strong's Concordance, it's a sign. And so I have heard things that go, like I said, it is a, a rabbit hole of theology. Um, and, and it's not given. All we're given, that is a mark from God. So we have to be very careful. Remember what I told you all about context is king. It's very important that you all understand that. We're not going to try. I, if, if I want to eisegesis it, meaning I want to give my own view of it, that goes against what the word of God says. And I'm not going to do that. We want to exegesis the scripture. Meaning we, we have what the scripture is presented to us and that's what we're going to go by. So we know it's a mark. We know it's God. We know that God is... is, is that God's goodness and God's, uh, God's common grace is even to the unbeliever. But God, God is the one who can uh, judge or withhold judgment. We have to remember that. And sometimes somebody does something to you and you're like, Lord, please. Like, man, take the house down. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, we've had stuff done to us that are just plain evil, man. I've had my car broken. I had my next door neighbor broke into my car. 
I was a brand new believer. I was like, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm like David, you know, praying like David. Lord, please just bring down the house. And you know what happened? They all got, man, that cop came. That cop said, if you want to keep it up, I'll have a warrant and we'll have this house searched. And they were doing stuff that was illegal. And within, a, what, two weeks, they were gone. They moved out of the house. God took care of it. I didn't. I mean, come on. Can I be honest with you? Because I'm a vet. Um, not a veterinarian, but a vet. A, a military army, <laughs> army vet. So they were coming at my wife. And it was not just one person. It was a group of them. I had a rock in my hand. Because I was like, I knew, I, I, there were three guys. And I was like, if somebody's going to jump me. Somebody's getting hit with a rock. At least one of them's going down. And they're going to try to fight off the other two. Right? Because well, that's how we are as a military. We assess the situation. Now, that is completely wrong as a young believer. I was young in Christ. I'm telling you, that's wrong. I saw the cop car coming around the corner. And I dropped the rock out of my hand. Because <laughs> I knew once the cops were there, I was good. Because I don't have any warrants. I don't have none of that stuff. I was like, here's my driver's license. This is what happened. <laughs> We're good to go. But again, justice is not mine. It's his. And we need to remember that. And God, God is trying to save. I'm not God trying to save. God is trying to, to use us as lights for Christ. We were brand new to Christ. I mean, I'm probably thinking maybe a month, two months, three months in, into walking with God. And, and man, we were getting hit left and right. And, and we're, we're, let's go pray. Man, I felt like that's all we were doing. Let's pray. Let's pray. This is happening. Let's pray. And it's just strengthening your relationship with God. Verse 16 says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I love that because what we know, east of Eden is a real place. When we know it's, it's near the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, which is modern-day Iraq. Okay? Now, do we know the actual pinpoint place? No, we know that it is within that area of Tigris, the Tigris and the Euphrates River. God cast him out. And I, and I think that's probably one of the saddest pieces of Scripture is then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord. Think about your life right now. You need the presence of God. I know I do. I, we've talked about this before. We need the presence of the Lord. We all do. But you can, can you imagine that you've done something so vile, so lawless, and your heart is not even repentive? Like Cain didn't care that he killed his brother. He never, he didn't care. But he's cast away from the presence of the Lord. I mean, there's no rest for Cain at all. For the rest of his life. Now we get a little history on Cain in verse 17. Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore uh, Enoch. Uh, when he was built a city. He called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. Now this is not the Enoch that walked with God. Okay. We'll talk about that next week. So please don't go. Well Cain had Enoch. No. Okay. This is the first Enoch. <laughs> Alright. And, and we'll cover that next week. And, and it says again that they knew each other. They conceived that, it again, is that intimate uh, personal relationship of Yadah. And, and so he named the son Enoch. And, and, and this is the very beginning of civilization. And, and, and it was where, where many families could live, the city. 
Now, I'm going to try my best not to mess these words up as we get into verse 18 as best I can. To Enoch was born Edad, and Edad fathered Mahuyel. Hey, Alabama education, I'm sorry. And, and Mahuyel fathered Mathu'Allah, and Mathu'Allah fathered Lamech. So one generation to the next generation, building and growing in the city. And then, and then Laman took, and this is very important that you catch this, because you see how muddied the water gets right off the bat. So what did, what did Lamech learn from his father? Sin. He takes two wives. Now we know that goes against God's word because in Genesis chapter 2 verses 24 through 25, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and they both were naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We know that he's only supposed to have one wife. So, what did Cain learn from mom and dad? Apparently not this scripture. Or apparently not this portion. Like, hey, son, when you decide to have a wife, you can only have one. Make sure you pass that on. Right? This is important for us as parents to understand, like, what we have with the Word of God, it needs to be passed on to the next generation. That's why reading Scripture, praying with your child, asking them, hey, what did you learn in, in the study today? Like having conversations, real conversations with you. That's with your spouse as well. Like on the way home, hey, what did you get? Well, we learned that Mike likes to pick up rocks and wants to hit people. Right? Then no. <laughs> it's like, no. But you want to have those conversations. You want to be intimate conversations about God and about what you're learning. What did you learn today in your study? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's part of us as believers. It's like we want to be, again, if you read that scripture where Cain is cast out of the presence of God, I want to be in the presence of God. And the best way to be in the presence of God is his word. Right here in prayer, in fellowship. We thought we were going to have nobody here tonight. Because we have some that are out. We have one in a baseball game and some others that are out. And we thought, man, it'd probably just be us four again. That's how it started was Court and Donna and me and Teresa. And I was like, oh, I'm happy as long as somebody's here because I get to teach. I'm going to still teach even if nobody's here because I've done that before. But it's just a reminder to us. It's like we want to be in the presence of God, but we want to understand the Scripture and pass that down to our kids because at some point, Laman missed it. He completely missed it because he took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zalah. And so there are seven generations from Adam and six generations from Cain. But we already see the problem of sin again. And sin is going to continue to impact and influence this generation badly. Badly. And, 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 and we've, I've heard there were studies that were done of a family that was walking with God and a family that wasn't walking with God. And, and within that family that was walking with God, missionaries and pastors doctors and attorneys and 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 nurses jail addicts non-believer versus believer the study that was done it's it you can see it and I, i'm i'm on that non-believer side i know the other side of it from generation to generation how it just impacts you know we we, we talk about generational racism you know what the biggest problem in our nation is generational sin 
It's passed down from person to, from from generation to generation. That's how we're taught. Well, my dad used to do it, or my grandfather used to do it. What is it? Is it the right thing to do? Does it go against God's word? You start learning that. As I know, we have some here, even my, my own family. This is the first generation of Christians. My grandkids. I got my grandson praying on on audio the other day. I don't know what he said. But he said, Amen, Lord. But you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's those, those, those times when you understand like the importance of what we do as believers in Christ and the impact that it has for generations. So they, they blew by the standard that God had set, and Lamech is, is going to get worse. And, you know, unfortunately, Lamech is, is going the way of, of Satan, really, um, in the way of Cain. He decides, I'm going to have two wives. And the home is going to spin out of control because now he's going to deal with jealousy and competition. A man cannot serve two things because he's going to have a divided heart. There's going to be a confusion with the children and envy and all of that because he wants two wives. And then Adah bore Jabel, and he was the father of those who dwell in the tents and have livestock. So now we have Jabel who is actually a nomad. He's going to go where the wind blows him. He would be the hippie of today. That would be him, Jabel, right? I'm going to go where the water is. I'm going to go where the, the grass is, the kind for the animals to eat. And, and that's where I'm going to go. And I'm just going to go where the wind blows me. And that was the nomads that, that became out of that. Then you have his brother. Uh, his, his brother's name was Jabel, and he was the father of all those who played the lyre and the pipe. So now civilization has become, began with musical instruments. It's become with musical instruments. And it's important for us to look at this and, and understand, like, when we look at, even when you think of worship, you think of worship that David did and how beautiful that is. And I, you ever hear, I mean, I think it's old, but I like it. It's Shane and Shane. They just sang the, the Psalms. The Robbie C. Band. They're out of Houston, Texas. All they do is sing. They, have, they got, like, three albums. They're just singing the Psalms. You want to learn the Scriptures? Oh, that's a great way. You just put that on. You start learning them. You start memorizing the scriptures. There's, there is, uh, on, on, there's a lot of bad stuff on YouTube, but on YouTube, they actually have, I forget the name of the, the VBS, it was part of the VBS or part of the group, but they actually sang the scripture. And my, the grandkids were singing the scripture over the summer. We'd play that song over and over, and by, they, were, they were memorizing scripture. It's beautiful. But here we see the beginning of musical instruments. And then you have Zillah and, and also bore uh, Tubel, Cain. He was the forger of all instruments in bronze and iron, the sister of Tubel, and was Naaman. And so when you hear things like the Bronze Age or the Iron Age, you see that it was already happening. And we'll talk about that as we get into a young earth because we have a lot to cover with that <laughs> at all. It's, it's another one of those things that we, we were taught in school where you just go, you start reading the Bible and you start realizing a lot of things we learned in school were wrong. And all. Then Lamech said to his wives, and this is in verse 23, Adah and Zalah, hear my voice, your wives, Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. So now Laman is boasting about his sin. Now we don't know what type of wound that that Lamech got. Lamech could have just been smacked in the face. And he goes, well, you wounded me. I'm killing you now. Right? We don't know. 
Uh, but we, we know that he's boastful and proud of it because he grabs both his wives and he's like, hear my voice and listen to what I say. He killed a young man. A young man for striking me. He pridefully overreacts. And it's sad because I think when we think about school or high school, what did we used to do? We used to fist fight. And then you would shake hands afterwards. Then somebody started bringing knives to school. And then what did I say? No. <laughs> and then somebody brought a gun to school or guns. They, that would be the next thing because it would always escalate. And sadly what happens is that's, that's what it is. Those prideful men will never be happy with some small offense. They're going to always up the game. And so he kills them. And again, the punishment far outweighs the crime. And look what he says in verse 24. If Cain's revenge was sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. I'm a bigger sinner than Cain. That's what he's basically saying here. I'm a bigger sinner than Cain. I got a bigger name than Cain. Because if his sin was this, my sin's going to be 77-fold. He didn't learn humility from Cain. He didn't learn how to deal with sin from Cain. All he did was become a bigger sinner. And first, first uh, Peter verses five, verse five says, "Likewise, for your, uh, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you submit, uh, submissive to one another, and to be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble." You know, when we confess our sin, God is always quick to forgive and to bless us there's blessings and obedience always always in first corinthians 15 verses 9 and 10 it says for i am the least of the apostles who am i uh, not worthy to be called an apostle but because i prose- uh, persecuted the church of god but the gr- by the grace of god i am what i am and his grace towards me uh, was not in vain but i labor more abundantly than all than they all yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. This is Paul. He's saying, look, I persecuted the church. I was killing Christians. And by the grace of God, God is using me. In 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7, it says, For who makes you different, differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Not if you uh, did indeed receive it. Why do you boast as if you had not received it? It is by the grace of God that has been given to you. And you shouldn't be boasting but by the grace of God, I've been received. I brought nothing, nothing to the table. Nothing. But by the grace of God, He forgave me. It's, we, it starts with humility. Verse 25 says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and called his name Seth, for she said, God has appointed me for uh, me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. And I love this because verse 25 and 26 are actually like the way the, the whole chapter started. They're like bookends. You have the blessing of the first conception and birth. And now you have the blessing. Of, uh, you can imagine Eve losing a son, but now she's gaining a son. God's grace and goodness to Eve. And then finally in verse 26, to Seth also was born and he called his name Enosh. And at the time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. Do you see that? That's the beauty. It's like you see that, that now the people are beginning to call upon the name of God. There's good news. You have this dysfunctional family line of Cain. 
And through Seth, people are calling on the name of God. You can still come to the throne of grace. God intervenes. We need to remember that. I think it was Greg Laurie that talked about his father. His father disappeared from his life as a kid. And it destroyed him. And impacted him all the way until he gave his life to Christ. And then he became a pastor. Young pastor, 21 years old. Been pastoring for over 50 years now. I think it was two years into his uh, pastoring, he got to try to get a hold of his father. Found his father. Went and shared the gospel with him. His father was an attorney. So nothing happened the first visit. Something happened with his father's heart. And Greg had to go back up there and spend time with his dad. We didn't have to. He wanted to. And his father wanted to know more about Jesus. He ends up giving his life to Christ on a walk. Like, do, can we do it right here, right now? It's like all it takes is for that one person in that dysfunctional family to give their heart to Christ. And it changes everything. Because the next thing you know, that person and that person and that person are all following God. And it just reminds me of the, the end of that verse and that the time people begin to call upon the name of the Lord. As a nation, that can still happen. As a matter of fact, that's how we're going to close tonight. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord and we're going to ask God to save us as a nation and to forgive us of our sins. Let's pray. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio, pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. Uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light and you'll find it. 